Hello and welcome to Aussie Crafter Solution the shit. But we're not talking to a distiller. Uh, so I just point we've got something better. Someone who actually knows about alcohol. <laughs> Ouch. And get us all in trouble. <laughs> every all the uh, viewers drop. <laughs> I'm Luke. Um, you'll notice that I don't look like crafty because i'm not he's not here he's i don't know he's got something better to do uh so it's just going to be uh todd and i hi todd hi, chatting away to Lindsay from uh gin lane and the uh, craft booze market how you doing mate very well thanks for having me on here not a problem always like talking to you just for the fact that you're such a passionate uh drinker uh, as am I, uh, but you actually sometimes seem to know what you're talking about. So I guess, or at least pretend to and make it sound convincing. That's the, uh, you, that's the real you are pretty good at just <laughs> faking it till you make it. I think before we get into, um, who you are and why and what and how, um, Todd, what's in your glass? Yes. So my glass, well, since we're hopefully talking all things, Jen, I'm going to, do a little bit of Little Juniper from mm. our last podcast. This is, I'm really enjoying this. It's fantastic stuff. Yeah, I'm also. <laughs> and yeah, we so, didn't, we so. didn't uh, collaborate on this at all, but I'm also drinking a Little Juniper. And I was so impressed to, uh, and interested to talk to um, Stuart about it la last week. Last week? Week, week before. Week before, so two weeks ago, where it's all um, vacuum distilled and um, very scientific process behind it. I thought that was really quite interesting, and I had to get a bottle. So, Lindsay, what's in your glass? So, um, to begin with, I, I took the opportunity to um, head into uh, into the back catalogue way back, way back to the early days of um, Gin Lane for me. And uh, unfortunately, from a distillery that, uh, that no longer exists in its uh, correct form, mm -hmm. if you ask me, um, Iron Bike Distilleries Bottle Seed. So mm. um, Reg made two of the, um, the best gins in the country um, at, at Iron Bike during that period. And uh, just as a sipping gin, which uh, I like to enjoy. Um, this, this Waddle Seed is, is outstanding. Waddle Seed used in a lot of different... Um, Australian gins as a botanical, mm. but not often is it kind of the hero botanical, uh, and this one is. So it's these beautiful chocolatey, nutty, savoury flavours, and uh, it makes it an outstanding mm. sipper. So Reg can mm. thank me later when he uh, obviously watches and, and hears this podcast. <clears throat> I'm, sure, I'm sure he will be watching, of course. Not much of this left, of course, though. <laughs> it's, uh, I'm holding on to uh, sometime. There you go. Mel says hi. Hey, Mel. <laughs> <laughs> so, Lindsay. Yes. Who, who are you? What Gin Lane. What is Gin Lane? Let's start there. So, Gin Lane's a craft um, Australian gin subscription. We launched Gin Lane um, back in uh, late 2015. So, um, I believe we're in about our seventh year this year. Um, mm. And every month, we select a different craft Australian gin as our gin of the month and, and send that out to our members on a subscription basis. So um, 
the cool thing is we've been around um, just about the longest. I, I think of the the craft gin subscriptions. We've got some um, very successful competition nowadays, which is great. Um, really, kind of, um, you know, just continuing to grow the Australian scene. But uh, you know, I think when we when we started, there was about maybe thirty gins being made in Australia. Right. Um, it was probably under the twenty distilleries, Mike. You know, Four Pillars were early days. Archie Rose was our very first gin, um, and right. they had only just launched, I think, a month before us. So that wow. kind of gives you a sense of the timeline because, you know, Archie and Four Pillars would both be kind of considered um, two of the uh, the established players, not just mm. here, but almost globally now. Um, but they were very new at the time, and, and we've kind of grown um, through that period with the, the growth of the industry as well. So... Well over 500 gins. No, if anybody tells you they can, tell, they've got the answer to how many gins are being made in Australia. They're boldface lying to you now. Um, you just can't keep up. It's 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 had huge growth, which is awesome. Mm. Well, there does yeah. seem to be a new gin being launched every day, and in in talking with um, some uh, industry contacts over the last few days, I think I've heard of at least another dozen being released within the next month. Are we hitting saturation point of, of gin or do you think we'll just keep going? Honestly, I, I, I wouldn't have, um, I would not have thought, here we go, somebody is saying uh, closer to 800 than that, that, that I believe. Um, I don't see how, I don't see how we have simply based on, the number of new distilleries, and and I think what's you know what what you've got is um, the the real growth is it's a combined thing. It's both growth in distilleries, but then I would say distilleries now are typically uh, introducing far more gins in their lineup than mm. was happening in, in sort of the earlier days. You know, um, if I think back, uh, Archie took quite a while to, to release their their full range of gins. You know, it was over the course of a number of years. Um, but they were, I think they had their, their traditional dry and then the, the distiller strength, which was their core lineup for, for a, a good period of time. In that same period of time now, a lot of, uh, a lot of the craft distilleries are successfully releasing four, five, six different mm. gins. Um, and so it's it's that kind of exponential growth. It's it is the growth in the distilleries themselves, but also just the the sheer number of gins that they're actually bringing out, and the the variety is is staggering actually. So I don't think we're reaching saturation yet. I think those of us who are close to it sometimes feel like that has to be the case because you just can't see how it can keep growing. But mm. it is, um, and it's still a passion for a, a lot of people. Um, and the government's at least taken some steps recently to to make the barrier to entry a little bit lower, um, mm. which I think is just going to keep um, having that happen. That said, I think at some point there probably has to be some consolidation, as as typically happens in you know mm. most craft industries. <clears throat> yeah, right. So, just thinking about your growth over the last seven years, mm. and then looking a little narrowing that time frame down to the last two years. Yep. Or let's say three years, but the COVID yep. years. Yep. How have yep. you have you seen a 
increase in subscriptions and an increase in demand? Or have you seen uh, sort of a, a, a trailing off and then coming back? What, what's been your experience in, with COVID? I think we rode the same wave that a lot of people did. COVID was um, a horrible but um, thing, but, but also a novelty to a lot of people. This being locked down for three months at a time, having to stay at home, having um, your whole life upended um, meant that some people just, you know, I think a lot of us didn't quite know how to handle it and what to, to do with it. Um, suddenly people had more time on their hands. Um, they didn't have to be fronting up to an office. Um, they didn't have to do the commute. And, um, you know, that that's a better or worse um, certainly <laughs> allowed for more drinking, um, more drinking time. And I think we saw yeah. that in the first year particularly. Yep. Um, and then we, we saw a pretty um, dramatic drop um, in the second year. Um, right. Probably not quite the level of the increase that happened in the first year, but... Um, people being more serious about uh, what health implications that had uh, and the uncertainty in the business environment. You know, um, people went from, yep, there was some government money to see them through um, those first periods to, I think, maybe a belief, uh, rightly, as it turned out, that that couldn't last forever mm. um, and that the tap would have to be turned off at some point and people started to get a little bit more careful about their money. And with with the best will in the world, you know, what we're selling is a premium product. The craft industry mm. always is. It's premium in quality, I think, and it's also premium in price. Mm. So, you know, are there perfectly decent gins out there that cost, you know, 20 to $30 less a bottle? Sure, there are. You know, um, there's gins that have been around for a long time that everybody likes to, to, to bag out, and, and we all do. But um, they've been around for over 100 years in a lot of cases for a reason. They are hundreds, good. according to my little blue book here. Yeah. Uh, yeah, some of them are quite old. Just on the um, why I ask about the, the, your COVID experience. Mm. So a little, a little tidbit that I found on 100 page 106 is uh, in the 10-week. So this is obviously UK-focused. Sure. Um, uh, in the 10-week lockdown period of March to June 2020, UK gin sales increased by 42.5%. So during the lockdown, they reckon that there was about 1.3 billion litres of alcohol drunk during that lockdown. Not just yeah. gin, but alcohol in general. Yeah. I mean, And bearing in mind, that's that's from a pretty high base in the UK too. Uh, you yeah. know, gin is, gin is, um, I, I think it came out for maybe two years or something out of the, the shopping basket index in the UK, but it, mm. gin is one of the 200, um, grocery items that is tracked in the, in the basket of goods, you know, index <laughs> in the UK as a, yeah. a staple shopping item, you know? So, um, we, we're talking about uh, my my home country being, you know, pretty solid on their consumption of gin in the first place, let alone mm. to increase that by by forty percent. I mean, it's uh, it's kind of taking it back to the gin craze a little bit, isn't it? It's pretty <laughs> impressive. Pretty impressive yeah. effort. They did so, us proud. Cheers. Yeah. So, is that why? Good morning. Yeah. Being a pom, is that why you're into gin? 
Is it genetic? One hundred percent, it is. It's it's in literally in my bloodstream. Um, always, uh, except when I'm at work. If anybody's watching, um, so and even then, you've got it around you. So there's at least a whiff of it about the place, you know. Um, yeah, look, it is. I mean, you, you know, I grew up. Um, my job at family dinners was the second my granddad walked through the door. You know, if if he reached the lounge room through the the front hallway without having a a really stiff gin and tonic in his hand. I, I was um, a failure as a grandchild and and uh, and as a son as well because my dad hadn't taught me well enough. Um, it, you know, it, it, it's a staple, always was. Um, my mum was a, really enjoyed her gin and tonics as well. Um, I hated it. I hated it as a as a you know a teenager. You know that that the bitterness of the tonic. Um, the, the reasons that a lot of people still don't like gin and tonic, uh, or at least a traditional gin and tonic, they, they, they were not particularly appealing things to a, to a teenager in a lot of instances. Um, you know, if we were buying anything, it was, uh, it was terrible cider in two litre bottles, you know, um, white lightning in 2020 and those sorts of things. But um, no, it was it, it was the drink. It was always a pre-dinner drink, um, oftentimes a post-dinner drink, and um, you know I I got the taste for it in in my early twenties, late teens. Um, but a traditional, you know, like we we would have had uh, Gordon's and Schweppes. That's that's what a gin and tonic yeah. was. Uh, mm-hmm. Pretty rare even to find Tanqueray around the place, but we would have, and and the occasional bottle of Bombay. But mm-hmm. no, it was, it was Gordon's and Tonic. That was Gordon's uh, was it, that, right? That was it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So my business so, partner and I are both English, and that's 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 how this yeah, right. came about. We were we were literally drinking gin and tonics at a barbecue one night at his place, and uh, we we started to observe what was happening here. We seen more importantly what was going on back home in the UK. Um, you know, by that point, Hendrix had changed everything with the cucumber slice. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Sipsmith were were really quick along behind and and you know probably changed it as much as anybody did. Certainly the craft scene, I think Hendrix kind mm. of dominated that um, change in the premium mainstream market, and then Sipsmith mm-hmm. kind of came along and, and created the the conditions in a lot of instances for the craft scene. And we we could see it happening. We could we knew there was a couple of distilleries here in Australia. Didn't know how many even at that time. But we kind of went, well, how do we start a business that the problem here will be people will be confronted with all of these choices, but it's not going to be a cheap product. It's it's going to be a premium product. How do they know which ones to drink? For the people Mm. who don't have the time to do the research, go to the distillery, meet people, talk about it, sample it. You know, there were no gin shows then. There was (laughs) nothing like the things you've got now. No gin palooza. No gym losers, you know, and um, so it was. Well, how do we create a business that um, we can become a trusted source of? Here's the gin we think you can try. Um, we can kind of um, make a judgment on the quality of the product, um, and that wasn't an issue in those early days. If you look at the distilleries that were around then, those twenty or so distilleries, um, they're still and always have been making some of the best gin in the country. Uh, so, you know, that, that, that was less of a challenge for us in the early days. Um, and 
yeah, you know, we kind of take took the position of here, we'll we'll help do the research for you, we'll we'll drink for you, and you know, we'll drink the ten bottles for you, and select the one that you're going to get to drink this month. And it's oh, been a fun ride. Half, half <laughs> oh, work. It's My been goodness. a struggle, but I've got up and done it, you know, regularly ever since. <laughs> well, look, we we appreciate the effort and commitment that you've um. That you've put Thank in. You. I've been waiting for that affirmation it's... for a number of years. So it's, it's great to have it here. Look, I'm, I'm, I'm. I apologise that I'm the first to provide it to you because I think it is a valuable service that you are doing. Agree. Um... Agree. <laughs> Not enough other people do agree, but I agree. I, I, I fully support my. Uh, you know what? If I, if Those I, people end, don't if matter. I end up with one yeah. member at Gin Lane, it will be enough for me to keep uh, going out and drinking gin every day. So it's all good. <laughs> so how many of the 400-odd distilleries in Australia have you now sampled, do you think? Nowhere close. Uh, it would be it would be in, in the hundreds, but, um, you know, th- there was a time when I knew just about every single distillery, the distillers, the owners. Um, they knew us personally. Um, that's that's just not. It, it became impossible um, within a matter mm. of probably a couple few years. Um, yeah. So there's there's probably people out there in the industry who just haven't heard of of me or us and, and what we do. And that's kind of nice. It's nice to introduce myself to people fresh all the time. Um, you know, it, it's nice to get the reaction from a distiller when I call them and um, let them know that, um, you know, we've come across their gin, we're interested in it and would like to take it to our members. And, you know, you can kind of hear the surprise sometimes. Um, but ultimately, that's what I'm that's what I'm typically doing. Um, you know, the distilleries that people already know about, for better or worse, I, I, I tend to avoid um, because I figure people will have found that, that those out in other ways um mm. those distilleries probably don't need our help in that respect as well so mm. um it's it's nice to um and, and you know the the palooza a couple of weeks ago i came across one of um the best gins i've i've had in the in the six years seven years we've been doing this and it was mm. like it, it's such a pleasure when it happens because yeah, i yeah. drink so many different gins that you know, it's great to just be surprised sometimes and go, "Oh my god, that is fucking amazing!" You know, um, and all right, uh, well, you're going to have to tell us who. Yeah, that I'm, I'm happy to. So, Nort um, Distillery down in Victoria in Eltham, suburban Melbourne. Um, I have had their gins from um, their earlier gins in their range already, but um, they had a under the table sample of a of a as yet unreleased dry gin at the the gin palooza the other the other week and um was lucky enough to uh have already met chris he knew what i did and and um he, he gave me a sample of it and it, it blew me away um absolutely one of the best dry gins um, being made in the country and as a bit of a traditionalist which i can't help being as an englishman it's it's stunningly staggeringly good so if you're looking for a new martini gin and you haven't tried it yet um, I, I can't give it high enough praise, honestly. It's really fantastic stuff. Right. So I've just whacked up on the screen now, nortgin.com.au. Uh, so that I'm just looking. They've got three on their website. The Australian Dry, Australian Dry, cheers if I 
that was a yep. decent pour I, I gave myself. I'm already feeling it. Uh, the Australian Dry, uh, Sangiovese gin as well. Sounds interesting. And they're overproof. And they, they so that's how new this gin is. Um, I've, not I've even available yet. Until recently as well. I know they have released it, so I'm not letting any cats out of the bag here. Uh, we've sent it out to our members as our gin of the month um, in our most recent month. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's, I, I would say it's probably stock levels right now that they're, they're um, not selling it there because I know they went out to a, their, their subscriber base um, mm-hmm. first as well and that sort of stuff. So, um, but you know, if I can predict awards for a gin, if they choose to enter them, I can guarantee that gin's going to be um, looking like Usain Bolt um, by the end of the, the next two years. Wow. Medals. 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 Big props right there. Mm-hmm. Now, looking at their um, their website and their Australian Dry, hmm. touches on something that we briefly spoke about uh, before we went live, mm. which is um, Australian botanicals, and in particular, wattle seed. Yep. So there's every Australian distiller says we always we only use Australian botanicals, obviously, except for the the juniper. Yep. Um, does that make it difficult to stand out amongst the crowd? Do you think? Um, and use those botanicals that everyone else is using as well, use them better or differently or in different... How, how do you see the Australian botanical um, uh, market progressing um, with all these... So, yeah, look, it's, using the it, same it, ingredient? yeah, it's a great question. Um, the In my mind... The only thing that makes it hard for anybody to stand out is is whether they put the time and um, research into into bringing out their product. Um, mm-hmm. You know, there there is um, a very consistent um, theme that comes across with, from from what I'm doing with distilleries uh, that the very best gins that are out there have taken a lot of time pulled together. Um, you hmm. can have there. There are distillers who, um, okay, you know, to, to mention somebody else who's who's an absolute legend, um, Philip from Distillery Botanica. He, being a botanist by trade, he has a phenomenal understanding of botanicals. It's it's what hmm. he knows, you know. Um, but I think even Philip will tell you that. And I remember when he released um, his first namesake gin the Moore's gin um i had that gin the first time i probably had it several other times over consecutive months if not the first couple of years of gin lane and it it was changing each time um he was still finding it um now and some people will do that they'll they'll release a product that's amazing and it was a great gin and also uh, probably the best value gin in Australia for the longest time, and, and is still right up there. I think, I think Moore's used to go for about sixty, sixty-five bucks a bottle. And I, I told anybody who would listen that you're crazy not to have a, a bottle of this on the shelf at that price all the time. Um, but he, he did work on it, and he did keep developing it. And um, you know, 
Chris from Nort will tell you that that dry gin, the reason, a lot of distilleries, if they're going to release a gin first, if they're ever going to have a dry or a classic dry gin in the range, they'll try and release it fairly early on because it's it's kind of your benchmark gin, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm not sure if this is getting some sort of... Uh, That's probably my cricket. Some feedback. Okay, that's cool. I just there's, there's, there's crickets over there, and <laughs> every loud. he's fucking loud. And I swear to God, he only starts chirping on a Thursday oh, fucking yeah. night. <laughs> he wants to be part of the show. He's like he's obviously sozzled. I don't know where there he's getting it from because yeah, my bottles are sealed. <laughs> but he just he's so loud. <laughs> So, and I haven't um, yet figured out how to cut him out, but I will. That's amazing. <laughs> yeah, not, I guess not to not to belabor the point too much, but it's it's time in, re- in research and development. I think is what makes um, a truly outstanding gin because you can have the botanicals that you want to work with, and yeah. you can have a flavor profile that you're heading towards. But um, you know, there's plenty of distillers who will talk you through the process where. You know, they had, say, seven or eight, ten botanicals, whatever it is that they wanted to work with. They're like, actually, these work together pretty well. They do a run. Um, And, you know, unless there's somebody out there who does magically produce a gin um, just like that, the story that I hear time and time again is of the distiller who goes, that's pretty good. But now I'm going to take this botanical out and I'm going to rerun that. Mm. what happens i'm going to put that one back in i'm going to take the next one out what happens did are there any significant changes because the all of these botanicals the way they work together um mm. there's science and then there's art both i think combined in it is, is mm. what it kind of comes down to for me but unless you've gone through that um and i and i have heard of distilleries who've gone through in the you know the tens if not hundreds of runs to refine their their recipes that yeah well you know, as we were um two weeks ago talking to stuart from little juniper yeah, um yeah. now he was a uh, his uh distillery was a, a covid baby really yeah, um yeah. he ended up accelerate uh, accelerating his timeline to market and he took the approach of using vacuum um distillation to distill what do you say 300 odd botanicals something like that yeah individually individually yeah yeah individually botanicals just to see what they did um and he uh, said he even did a uh, a mars bar which i don't understand how you would distill a mars bar but apparently you can um yeah yeah (laughs) <laughs> he's doing it again though in any it's, typically, it's typically is he scottish the uh it's typically the scottish who have have, have taken mars bars to uh every length that they possibly can yeah. including deep fried i mean look, but, uh... a deep fried mars bar <laughs> is a thing of beauty i won't lie and i won't deny it <laughs> yeah yeah so but, you know kyle at finders is the is one of the people who's who said this to me in in more recent times and you know you can go to Finders and Kyle's got every bottle of every single botanical that he's ever distilled. Um, mm. and, and he's got those and that's how he started to kind of combine the botanicals um, that he, he wanted to have in a mix. But then he did exactly that. He pulled every single botanical out 
to see what impact it did. And it, if, if it coming out meant that the gin didn't mm. change, he actually got rid of it. Um, some of the best recipes in Nort's Classic Dry is a great example. Um, a great Classic Dry gin does not require a huge botanical mix. Um, mm. You know, there's a point at which I think you can you can be having botanicals that aren't. And again, I'm I'm not a distiller here, so I, yeah. I I don't I don't make any judgments on the people who have multiple um, botanicals. But there are some fantastic gins out there that have very simple um, mm. recipes. It's in the in the in the words of the castle. It's what you do to it, right? Um, yeah. Is yeah. what I think set set some distillers apart from others, and some gins apart mm. from others. I think the the largest botanical list that I've seen would be the botanist. Mm-hmm. Um, I think they've got what thirty one or something different wow. botanicals in there. And oh yeah, there you go, Stuart. Uh, Monkey forty seven. He's seen the good. Yeah, yeah. There you go. Um, <laughs> He's, he's seen he's seen our plug. Yeah, you didn't give yourself away by distilling Mars bars or anything, Stuart. But yeah, you gave yourself away. Let's. I'll look forward to your thoughts on deep fried Mars bars because I guarantee he's had one. <laughs> he probably has one for breakfast. Breakfast of champions in Scotland. Oh, yeah. that, that was a short black and a and a shot of whiskey. Ah, oh, couldn't beat it. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, the, the botanist has got about thirty-one botanicals in there yeah. and, and monkey 47 it, the 47 is in reference to the, the number of botanicals to the number of botanicals. yeah is there yeah. anyone who could actually pick those do you think i'm um i i, I don't think so honestly i um yeah is it botanical is it botanicals for the sake of botanicals at that point um Monkey Forty Seven won't say that, and I wouldn't say that either, <laughs> given their, uh, their their size. Uh, no, I look. Um, there's, I think, there's always the difference between um, does a botanical give you something overt? Mm-hmm. I, I, I will. I'll, I'll compare those again. So Kyle uses um, wattle seed in in his binders, um, Australian dry gin. That's a hero um, mm-hmm. gin with wattle seed. If Kyle hadn't told me that wattle seed was in his gin, I would have struggled to know that it was in there. And I yeah. love the botanical. Once I know that it's in there, then I can kind of see, mm, okay, I can see what, what part this botanical is playing in this. But the way he's used it and the way it's used here is so wildly different that, um, you know, in his, um, it, it's, the, the whole the, the whole um, botanical mix is so perfectly blended, I think, that nothing stands out. They just all play together phenomenally. Mm. Um, and that, that's why I love this spirit, honestly. It's, um, you know, the, the differences and the, the difference in combinations. So I guess to go back to what you asked originally is, um, is it hard to stand out? I can line you up 100 Australian gins that use lemon myrtle. And it's not mm. hard to stand out because, um, you know, people use it so differently. It's, it's, it's a very forward botanical in a number. Mm-hmm. And in some, it's just this very subtle, supporting citrus note. Um, mm-hmm. 
you know, there's, I think there was some, some uh, jokes around the use of lemon myrtle, but, um, you know, it's, it's a fantastic botanical when it's used well. It's, it's a native citrus note that um, is great. And, yeah, it can be overdone, and there's maybe a few gins out there where lemon myrtle's a bit overdone in them. Um, but I remember having it for the first time in, in funnily enough, Phil's um, Moore's gin. I, I hope I'm not getting that wrong. I'm sure he, he did use lemon myrtle as one of his botanicals there and it was it was fantastic it was a revelation at the time mm. Mm. frozen as garden mm. well i think that's the other common thing that a lot of uh, australian producers have is they grow their own botanicals mm -hmm. uh, because you can it's you can go mm -hmm. out pick it chuck it in the basket and off you go um i've got a little gin history quiz question for you hit me um, I'll open this up to the wider audience as well. Um, what is the, how, how did gin come about? Or, uh, sorry, more, more specifically, a gin and tonic come about? What's its okay, origin? Gin, gin and tonic specifically? Yeah. So, um, look, all of these things, there's, there's, a, there's variations on any of these stories, <laughs> but, um, Essentially, it is that so in the British military, um, the enlisted men in the Navy, which was the bulk of the British military at the time, like that's why you know Britain had such a strong navy. I don't think they had there an was, air force at that point. No, there were exactly there was only you know, there was army and there was navy, but the navy was the only um military force that was the king's or queen's in some instances. Force. Um, the yeah. army side of things was um, generally private forces traditionally and, you know, lords and whatever. And they all kind of came together in an army and tromped off to France more often than not, which, um, yeah. you know, as a good Englishman, I fully applauded at times. But um, <laughs> uh, <laughs> oh, don't worry, so, Australia, we've, we've got our history with the French recently. <laughs> Let's not go into that, yeah. though. <laughs> All, all comes back to the Navy, right? Um, oh, yeah. Submarines now. Um, so in the days of empire, not good days, but um, the, the British um, clearly suffered a lot from malaria um, in the tropical um, parts of the world, most often India. Um, mm -hmm. And they... So enlisted men in the Navy drank rum. They had a daily rum ration. Um, which was staggering, by the way. It was half a pint um, when it was first brought in um, of Navy strength rum per day. Um, and the rum ration, I think it was New Zealand maybe, was the last Commonwealth country to actually get rid of the, the rum ration. And it was in the 70s, I think, like 71 or something. So uh, it was still going comparatively recently. Um, but so Shortly after that, they got rid of their Navy. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but um, officers drank gin and and it's why plymouth and liverpool and you know the the major ports in the uk but plymouth particularly um the they they, they were the only places that gin was typically supplied to the navy um but that's what the officers were drinking mm -hmm. so there was two things um obviously on ships they suffered from scurvy so they needed citrus um 
And so citrus was something that they, they tried to take and, and cordial, lime cordial, which, you know, if you're English or have been, been there much, you'll, you'll know how close that is to our hearts, um, was, was kind of a way of preserving the citrus for as long as possible. Um, and then they discovered that quinine, the, the um, bark, um, you know, had anti-malarial properties. Um, as I've said many times before, the problem with quinine is it tastes like shit. So it's, it's the most horrible, bitter thing going. Um, so they'd mix some sugar, some uh, the lime cordial, the, you know, um, and whatever else into something that was palatable um, that they could actually consume the quinine. And, of course, the officers were like, well, jolly good show, old chap. We've got some gin here, too. Why don't we, you know, make it alcoholic as well? Um, and that's, that's where gin and tonics came from. There you go. Now, I wasn't there, um, and I can't say that the accent was spot on and that, uh, that you know. You've probably done better than, than I would have, though. And oh, yeah, uh, William... William chimed in with malaria, and uh, yes, yeah. Uh, well done, Bill. That is the uh, the general gist of where it came from, or the origins. That said, of there is problem. one thing I will add to this. Uh, yeah? gin and tonic has been scientifically proven to work. Um, there is. I'm trying to remember which university Sorry, in the US that they to work they, as they, what as a combination. It, as yep. a flavor combination, right? Um, okay, because it, it, it's been scientifically disproven to uh help with malaria, ward off malaria. Yeah, that doesn't yeah. surprise me. Yeah, you just need to drink more of it. <laughs> but if you if you're sozzled yeah. enough on on gin, and and the gin then would also, there was no such thing as uh, that everything was navy strength back then, right? That's yeah. that's how they determined that they weren't getting shafted on the quality of the product. Now, it's mm. not to say that the gin was good, but it was the right strength. Um, and so everything was navy strength, basically, which was that around that 58%, because that's what they bought it at, and that's what they transported it at um, in, in, in barrels to wherever they were going. So, yeah. <laughs> I, had a, I had another cool little thing that I wanted to... Uh, actually, while I look at it, while I look for it... Um, which was uh, David Bowie's preferred gin? So I don't know the answer to it, but I'm going to go with maybe Bombay. Or <sighs> Why would you guess Bombay? Well, here, as I, said, as I said earlier, there was a time where there was really only a few choices of gin. Yeah. Um, ultimately. I mean, you, you had your, um, your Gordon's, your Tanqueray, your Beef Eater, your, your, your Bombay. You know, and, you yeah. know, a couple of others that, that were certainly there and a little smaller and that are still around. But yeah. uh, look, Bombay, yeah. uh, if I'm if I were to pick a pop star's gin, you know, the blue bottle, um, it's a it's a vapor um, infused style of gin. So the botanicals are a little bit softer um, than some. It, it just has a broader appeal, I think, for people who may not. Um, love the the hardcore dry gins. Um, that that would have been my guess. But tell me, am I right or wrong? Well, according to this little book, yes, you are right. Mm. Um, it fits, doesn't it? You know, David Bowie with yeah. a, sitting there with a, a sky blue bottle. It, it would have, you know, it, just the image matches. As far as I'm concerned, it's great. 
Absolutely. Uh, all right, sorry, one more. I can't help myself. One more. Who said he knows just how I like my martini full of alcohol? Marilyn Monroe. This is a, this is a female actress. Um, oh, God. It's not coming to me right now. Maybe Elizabeth Taylor? We'll lock it in. Uh, you said Marilyn Monroe? Yeah. Uh, uh, does anybody else want to chime in just before I reveal the answer? You're going to... Yeah, so you yeah, can't right. leave it for more than about five seconds because somebody's yeah, on Google because someone right now. Googles it. Yep, so <laughs> nobody has logged in. Uh, William says, Liz, no. Homer Simpson. Really? Yeah. <laughs> there you um, go. I love the guy. <laughs> I like the Simpsons more and more every day. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, there's just, yeah. There's so many yeah. good gin quotes. It's, it's, existed for an age it's got almost universal appeal almost there are obviously a lot of people who don't like it and i was one of them i didn't like it for quite a long time yeah it has certainly we've had a renaissance mm-hmm. haven't we i think I, i'm going to claim that word i don't know whether anybody else has said it but i'm going to claim it um yeah, you, you you can own it while we're on this call, but um, yep. a, a I am Google search will find that you probably neither the first nor the last. <laughs> I'm sure been used I am the lord of the podcast, so I can say that. The <laughs> yeah, well, well, while we're on here, it's only these, uh, these what, 12 walls. It's only the three of us. Yeah. yeah, it's only the three of us. No one else is actually watching. <laughs> <laughs> I have changed my gin up just for oh, now. Do you want to actually, know yeah. I did now? Never, never. Right. Okay. Very now, I've actually run out of ice. So while you talk about that, I'm going to get some ice. Yeah, great. So this, this one's a little bit special, Todd, because um, we were fortunate. This, this is kind of what I do like about Gin Lane's journey and, and how long we've, we've been around with the industry is um, you know, we, we've had opportunity with some of these distilleries that are pretty well known. Um, now that are internationally recognized um, as, as never, never are, as well as Four Pillars and, and, and others. Um, but back, back when never, never were, were still developing um, some of their gins in, in early days, um, Southern Strength, which has got, uh, got to get this in the camera there, which has gone on to be, um, I think, one of their most awarded um, gins internationally, they, they released a batch, uh, about seven or eight batches, I think, um, under this kind of experimental label while they were refining the recipe. And, and again, it comes back to that theme of refinement, doesn't it, um, and testing. Mm-hmm. But uh, they released a number of batches, and um, I was fortunate enough to, um, to meet the guys um, to be introduced to this one particular batch. And I was just like, I, I want that for, for Gin Lane. Um, and so we were able to buy as good as the entire batch. Um, our membership numbers matched up um, at the time to, to almost the whole bottling. Um, and they got some really valuable feedback from our members at the time on, on, on the particular um, release. So we have Genius on here, which was a little tagline. And you can see it says uh, DGL1. Um, so it had a code for us and everything. Um, huh. I still have 
bottle one of this batch um, mm, unopened. Right. Collectors. Um, bottle 183 of 190. Um, I, I also have, I think, three bottles of every Juniper Freak release that Never Never have done. Um, mm. And my understanding is the guys at Never Never don't have those those around anymore e- either. So, uh, but yeah, this Southern Strength has been one of my favorites for a while. You know, 50 plus percent. I, I think they've mm. landed on about 52. This is 54 percent. Um, but it's 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 a staggeringly good gin as well. Always has been. So this is, but this is a. I doubt there's much of this around anyway. Maybe one or two of our members has, has still got it, a, a little bit of it lying around. And you're sipping it. You're not mixing it. Yeah. Um, this, you know, um, I, I doing what we're doing here. Um, give me neat gin any day. You know, gin and tonics are something that I'll, I'll drink when I'm out or, uh, you know, mm-hmm. at a certain time. I, I still maybe associate gin and tonics with um, it's like a social thing or whatever. But the beauty of a quality craft gin is that um, you should be able to, to enjoy it neat. And I, I uh, will, till the day I finish my time in this industry, be pushing people to drink their gin neat as much as possible so that they they can just really grasp the flavors. Because no matter what tonic and anything else that you add, the garnishes and whatever, they, they start to change that profile of the, of the mm. gin. You know, if you really want to understand the mouthfeel and the texture and the flavors that are in that, then you at least have to start drinking it neat, I think. And, and then you can go and do whatever else you want with it. Mm-hmm. So when you are going to mix it, mm. of course, uh, a tonic uh, is is generally, well, a gin and tonic, of course, as we've discussed. And there's any number of um, classic cocktails uh, that you, you can go for. But looking at tonics specifically, mm. Mm. So there's an explosion. As we've had uh, Ginesons, we now have a, I don't know what the word for tonic, tonic explosion, tonosion. I'll just make up words. Probably explosion, yeah. yeah. Explosion, yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. Where Bouncing. we've now got so many different options of, of tonic now. Yeah. Um, and of course... Everyone has their opinion on what makes a good tonic. What's what? What makes a good tonic for you? So I, I, I was only telling somebody this this similar story the other day at the at the booze markets because they were asking me about tonics with with some gins that I was introducing them to. And um, again, I, I'm a, I'm a bit of a traditionalist. You know, I did grow up drinking Gordons and Schweppes. Um, mm-hmm. There are, there are people, mm-hmm. um, my parents' age in the UK, plenty of them, probably some younger, some older, that if you gave them a craft gin and any tonic that's not Schweppes, they'd spit it out and just say, this, this isn't gin and tonic. When they, mm-hmm. meet, when they say gin and tonic, what they mean is Gordon's and Schweppes as a right. specific flavor mix. Um, you know? You can underestimate the level of sugar that's been in Schweppes traditionally, and and the, the the effect that that can have on on hooking people. No different to Coke or anything else. Mm-hmm. Uh, that is, um, you know. Um, so I am a bit of a traditionalist in that respect, which means um, I still like a fairly 
straight style of, of gin and tonic typically. Um, mm-hmm. So I will, I will generally have two styles of tonics. I'm not going to mention brands, um, but I will have, I will have a tonic water that is um, in that traditional vein with a little mm-hmm. bit of content um, that it, it um, and again, to, to, to put myself to the side here and actually talk about the stillers, Philip from Stillery Botanica um, said this really early on. It was at a time when dry tonics were all, every tonic had to be dry and, and you know, low sugar content and blah, blah, blah. And um, I can't remember the specific gin at the time that he, he gave me to try, but we were talking about what tonic would, would work best with it. Um, and I think he said Schweppes. Um, and if it wasn't Schweppes, it was, it was another tonic that just had a slightly higher sugar content. That, that has its place, you know, and certain gins need to be complemented with that. Um, if I were to throw out another um, pretty well-known name and, and, and their gin that I personally wouldn't have with a dry tonic, it would be something like Four Pillars um, Olive Leaf Gin which is an outstanding uh, martini gin. But if you put a dry gin with that, it's just those, those flavors aren't working together, in, in my opinion, um, mm. in, in a great way. That's not what they created it for, mm. to the best of my mm-hmm. knowledge. Um, and so I will typically have a dry tonic around, and I will have a tonic around that's got um, a slightly higher sugar content. Mm-hmm. I, you're less likely to find me with... Um, the huge variety of other tonics. Um, mm. Not that that's not okay, that if people really want to do that, but mm-hmm. I don't want to think too hard sometimes about what yeah. I'm drinking. Just want to change. You know, yeah. a gin, I should just be able to go, I want a gin and tonic and pour that yeah. and sit on the couch and drink it, not be going, what tonic do I need to pair with this and what garnish do I need to pair with this and those mm. sorts of things. So, we, we, we do this as part of our business. We provide those suggestions to make it easy for people. We do the research on that. But mm-hmm. I will generally find I can just easily reach for a gin and decide whether it's a dry or a sweet or tonic that's mm-hmm. going to suit it if I'm having a gin and tonic, you know. Mm-hmm. And then there's the rise of all the other tonic alternatives, I guess. Yeah, yeah. Other mixes. Um, yep. Yep that are sort of coming in to, to try and challenge the traditional tonic market. Um, for, for me, I mean, the flavours of them can be fantastic on their own, um, but are they going to then complement or hide the gin itself? That, that's probably my, my biggest concern is I want people to like gin, because they like yeah. gin, you know? Not, I, not the mix. Yeah, mm. yeah. yeah. I, or the, I, and I hear this a lot, I can only drink this if I drink it with this. And when they say what this is, it's something that completely dominates the gin and hides mm. all aspects of it. You know, I have no issue, and I encourage it actually, and I drink them quite, quite a lot myself, a, a gin and ginger beer. Um, but if I'm doing that, it's with a navy strength gin uh, that stands up pretty well to the ginger beer. It's a craft ginger beer, not a very sugary ginger beer. It's got some spice to it that's complementing mm. it. You know, those kinds of things. And um, 
yeah, I, I, I do worry that I do worry sometimes that people buy into the idea of gin without actually really liking gin. So they will find any way they can to make it palatable, which mm-hmm. that's great for the industry. You know, that, that helps all of our distillers sell their booze. Well, they're spending money. I mean, they can drink it how they like. <laughs> I, 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 will, I will support that bit until the end of time. But, um, you know, if it comes to people... People tell, I, I, I have some people tell me they like gin and I know they don't like gin. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, like, you know what? It's, it's an interesting thing when you're like, yeah. yeah. Find, it's find an interesting thing when you like. get the cellar door. Yeah. And, right. you're, try, and you're trying to take, give someone a sample of gin. Yep. So you, yep. you pour out a little bit of gin neat and they go, I never dr- I've never drunk gin neat. So is it, and we always go, well, we're here to show you what our gin tastes like, not what the tonic tastes like that you're drinking your gin with. Yeah. And the number number of people that try your gin go, oh well, this is this is quite nice. This is is amazing, but they've never tried it prior. Yeah. Just as a, as a yeah. neat drink. I think yeah, it's so, yeah. Please go, go, go. Well, for 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 me, it comes across as uh, it's always with something. Yeah. When you have a whiskey, it's it's generally a whiskey on its own. If you have a vodka, well, you, you would have a vodka with a mixer, but some people do just have vodka on side. But gin generally comes in a gin and tonic or a, a gin martini or a, some sort of cocktail, a mixer of some form, rather than being just on its own. Um, and it so suffers just, from its history in that respect, right? Yeah. Uh, gin, gin was an awful drink at, at, at times in its history. And mm. um there's a very good reason that some of the best cocktails in the world have been built around gin. It's because gin was terrible. Um, but even down to the predominant style of gin for most of England's history, certainly was less what we call a London dry style. Now, you know, that's, that's the predominant style, but I would say, and there'll be plenty of people who would pull me up on this, but I, I think, you know, sometime, up until the you know the the mid um 1900s maybe between the the 50s to the 70s the style of gin moved more towards the drier um london style that we we now associate with gin but what they were drinking during the gin craze and and um that that part of london's history gin lane where our name came from the 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 etching um um that was more an old Tom style, which was actually mm-hmm. sweetened gin, you know. So, um, and it was stored in wooden barrels. Not that those had a huge impact on um, the flavour, because they were basically very spent barrels and and, and big barrels mm-hmm. in all instances. Um, but you know, they, they there was that, and, and so the style was not this London dry that we're used to, and it, it was because the, the gin typically wasn't that great, um, and and you had to hide some of that flavour with either a cocktail or some sugar in the in the gin itself. So, coming back to what you just said a moment ago, in terms of the storage of gin being in barrels, mm-hmm. um, we see every now and then a, a few gins coming out that have been barrel aged uh what are your thoughts on the barrel aging process and the outcome of that i have one in my uh 
my little uh, repertoire tonight. Oh, that one's uh, rubbish. One, one of my favourites. Yeah, they are. Wash your mouth out. This is probably where my this is where my interest in um, in all spirits starts to to come in, and I'm 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 a big whiskey drinker too. I love rum. Um, I, I I like a lot of spirits. I enjoy brandy. Um, so I have I have thoughts on it for sure. <laughs> um, a bad barrel aged gin is one where somebody has just taken their gin and just taken any barrel and just barrel aged the gin just mm-hmm. for the sake of barrel aging the gin and haven't approached it from probably more the whiskey maker's perspective, which is I need to understand what impact this wood is going to have on my products, you know, I on my spirit, like what's the wood bringing, what's it going to do to it. Now, gin distillers have all the potential to be great at this um, mm. because, you know, in my mind, and some of these distillers can shoot me down on this one for sure, but the barrel aging needs to be treated like another botanical, mm. you know, what is it doing to the, the flavor mix? What is it doing to my gin? What's it softening? What's it adding? Um, all of these sorts of things. And I can definitely put, put two gin barrel aged gins out there that I do think are outstanding and have quite different approaches to the same thing, but I like them equally. And that is, um, yep, the Crew Crafty collab here. Um, what has happened here is fantastic, which is Ali as a distiller has taken um, it from the perspective of she knows the whiskey barrel and what that's bringing and she's created a gin recipe that will sit in that and age and create a melded product that that just works amazingly for me the other example is um farmer's wife's it's not a collab they they have taken a barrel from black gate and a peated barrel um and but they she's used um Kylie at Farmer's Wife has used um, their regular autumn dry gin, but put it in that peated barrel. And so what she's done is gone, I know the barrel that I want to come to my, you know, to, to my gin and create this other, this, this barrel aged gin. And so that's their winter gin. And it's um, get your hands on one. I, I only just got the email this week um, of their latest release of, of winter gin and, um, you know, I'll have my order in. Um, it, it sells out in like a hot minute. <laughs> it's, uh, but it's fantastic. And, and so for me, it's that beauty of wow. Okay, you get this this peated um, smokiness, and I, I, of course, I love everything that Blackgate do as well. So um, these approaches are where I really love to see barrel aged gin going. Unfortunately, I have had quite a number where I think it's been just a we're, we're, we're barrel aging our products. For the sake mm. of it, um, and I've got no issue with the experimentation, but um, not all of those products perhaps need to be released to market because um, mm. the barrel can cut across the, the gin. If you, if you haven't kind of worked out how these flavors are going to meld, you've got this barrel doing one thing and this quite complex botanical mix of the gin doing another thing, um, and they don't. They, it doesn't always work. Those are two great examples, and there are others. I recognize that in my, the position of what I do when I mention some people 
um, I will always be forgetting others or, or not being able to mention all of the others. But um, yeah, th those are at least two great examples of, of where it's being done well, I think. Mm -hmm. I guess that there's not as many examples of it. So being able to pick out two that are fantastic is uh, pretty damn good as well. Well, um, you know, 40 spotted back in the day, um, like um, they had a winter gin that we, I want to say we selected that in our first, if not, if it wasn't our first year, it was certainly in our second year, but I, I think it was our first as a winter gin and they, they were barrel aging. But again, you know, you had, you had um, somebody there at the time who, who, who was a whiskey distiller and, um, mm. you know, understood how those flavors might be able to come together. And it's, um, I, it's been a while since I picked up a bottle of 40 Spotted Winter, um, but I still have a bottle sitting on my shelf from the early days that uh, I love to dig into when we when we hit winter time. It's barrel-aged gins are a great thing through winter, I think, for sure. Mm. Gin mm. old-fashioned, yeah, always a always a barrel-aged gin if I can if I can find a good one. Yeah, right. We're gonna have to uh, hit you up for your best uh, cocktail recipes as well. That we might post later on because that could be a never-ending list. <laughs> it's it's a long list, um, uh, but again, it, it's a long list, but also not a long list because uh, again, um, you know, it's it's like a martini. Um, you can say you love a martini, but that martini will change every time based on mm. the quality and the the style of the gin that you're putting in it. You know. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Now, so we've spoken a little bit of, a, a little bit an hour or about gin. Uh, we've touched a little bit on gin lane and obviously people can take advantage of your wealth of gin knowledge uh, through a gin lane subscription uh, available through the website. Whoop, wrong one, that one. Yeah, nice oh, that one. There it is. Yep. <laughs> Professional, smooth, uh, down gin lane. Uh, .com.au, get on there. Um, but you've got another project as well. Yeah. Craft Foods Market. How'd that come about? So working closely with craft distillers like I had, you know, um, I ended up hearing some of the same things from a lot of them about um, how difficult it could be to get out to meet customers in the right environment yeah. and in an environment where... <clears throat> you know, they actually made good money from it um, and perhaps that it didn't always cost um, a lot of marketing dollars to do. You know, mm -hmm. craft distilleries, are the one thing that always surprises me is how many distilleries there are based on how expensive it is to start a distillery. Yeah. And we've been asked, I don't know how many times, when, why, you know, if we would start a distillery. Um, because of my obvious interest in the industry and um, the biggest uh, props or applause that I can give to this industry is that the the more time I have spent around it the less interested I am in being a distiller and starting a distillery um, it's it's a phenomenal enterprise that, that um, these people and you know you guys sort of engage in it's expensive. A lot of times people have put their life savings on the line. They've followed a passion. They've given up careers, um, whatever else, to, to, to do this thing. And in, in every instance, there's, there's an insane amount of risk. 
um, that people have taken and 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 plowed a lot of money into. So um, I, I I have nothing but um, huge respect for the industry from that perspective, and therefore I've kind of looked at it as what can I do to fill any gap that um, I might be able to do that doesn't involve actually producing. So. Gin Lane has been a way for distillers to introduce their product to a, a membership across the country. Um, the event side um, came down to um, two things. One was what I'd been hearing from distillers, um, and the other actually was uh, my wife's a, a chocolate um, manufacturer, um, and. I had been involved with with her growth in that um, from a sales perspective. We would go to a specialty market once a month, um, a very successful market, and it enabled her to grow her business um, really well. And it, it became anybody who's done markets knows they do this one typically. You know, it's it, one month you can have just the most fantastic market or week or whatever, how often you're going to them. And the next, nobody turns up and you're standing there with your hands in your pockets on some freezing day. Um, whereas this market, month in and month out, was it was bankable. The, you know, there was, there was a level that we knew we would reach at every single market. And it was only a matter of, is it a good market or is it a great market? It's never a shit market. Um, and I just thought, well why can there not be a specialty market for, for this product? Um, the other thing that w people were saying a lot, and I saw this in trying to take gins to markets for, for other people, was um, the traditional market operators, um, and I'm sure there's some head nodding out there as I say this in the in the, uh, the, the Facebook sphere, but you go to your market and they go, well, we've already got a distiller here at the market, you know, your local farmer's market or organic market or whatever else. We've already got a distiller or at, at, at that's at worst, um, you know, at best it was, well, we have a whiskey distiller and we have a gin distiller and we don't need any more because we've already got one. Whereas any of us who are in the industry who sit there with a shelf like yours behind you, Luke, know that you can have 10 gin distillers at the same thing and you will be able to sell to different people for your product because not everybody likes everything. Shock horror. So um, I kind of wanted to prove um, some of those distillers, those, those operators wrong because I approached a couple of them in Sydney to go, I could bring you distillers to your market and I can bring you, so let's say 10 on a monthly basis you have a special, you know, addition to your market once a month um, and we'll bring more people to your market and we'll benefit from the, the traditional traffic that you have as well, of course. And they just, they were not interested. Hmm. So I thought, okay, the original concept was for a craft spirits market and, and there's quite a lot of people that I talked to about that. Then it, it, it really evolved quite quickly because... The other thing that I find um, to be a, a shame of in the industry and the way events are often run in it is um, you've got gin shows, you've got whiskey shows, you've got gabs and beer festivals and beer shows. 
but where's the thing where all of them come together? You know, in my circle of friends, I've got friends who will not touch gin. I've got friends who will not touch whiskey. I've got friends who will not touch wine. Every single one of my friends drinks. <laughs> um, but they Otherwise, all... they wouldn't be friends. Yeah, I, I'm kind of the only true alcoholic of the lot that I, I drink every single one of those things. But, you know, the majority of people, um, they, they've got their preferences. So I thought, well, why, why not have this market environment that's, it's casual, it's, um, you know, it's, it's face-to-face, the dogs can be there. You know, we, we, we host the market in the inner west of Sydney. If you, if you don't allow dogs in, you'll be run out of the place in, you know, two seconds, as, as you should. Um, so, you know, it's those kinds of things. And it was just, there's, there's got to be an opportunity here. And it's not to say that any of the events that have been being done up until this point or are being done aren't right. Um, it's, I think there was a gap that for another one. And, and that's, that's unusual um often in the event space that there's something that's not being done that can fill a hole um we're not taking away from anybody else we don't think they're taking away from us but um we can have beer wine spirit cider non-alks um and some specialty food products that are booze based you know we've had um, boozy donuts boozy chocolate i'll leave you to make the obvious link um to how that came about um even when I'm eating, I'm drinking, you know. Um, so, Gee, your house, dinner at your house must suck. Well, you know, it's my it's my final um, thing for the night. Some, <laughs> some gin chocolate. Um, but yeah, so, you know, the, the, the only downside to the booze market was in the history of bad business timings. Um, I launched the booze market originally at Moore Park in Sydney with 45-odd stalls. Um, over at EQ next to the um, the cricket ground, and, um, yeah, look, it was it was great. It was great fun. It was great to see it come off the get off the ground, and then uh, I think like a week later, the bushfires hit um, mm, that yeah. year. Um, so our next market, <clears throat> we weren't able to do because of those because you know craft distillers and, and craft producers are often, yeah, there are the urban ones, but there's plenty that are based in regional areas that tend to get hit the worst by these things. Um, mm. Then the floods followed that. That was another market can. So yeah. the third market that we were due to hold was going full steam ahead um, until it was cancelled a week out, not by us, but by the government because major events were cancelled with COVID. Mm. And uh, that was it. Booze markets were done for two years. <laughs> uh, but I, I always wanted to bring it back. It was too much. Yeah. It was too much fun. Too good an idea. Um, so we're back with smaller markets um, mm -hmm. that we we have a monthly one in Marrickville. Um, we are not at the 45 stalls size because I think it's better to be smaller and more nimble and, and build this up a little bit slower instead of trying to go the whole hog. The, the, the main thing that I try and do as an, as an organizer is that the ratio of customers to stallholders means that all of the stallholders have a strongly profitable day. So, mm -hmm. You know, I get people asking me how many customers are turning up to the markets often. And when I give them the number, 
they kind of go, oh, hang on, because they've got the ten or 20,000 in their head of a festival. But yeah. I asked them to look at the actual product <clears throat> that they make um, because that's my yardstick. Um, this is a, it's a shopping exercise. It's not a um, tasting, drinking exercise. So people mm. sample to buy um, and it's takeaway, not... Um, I've I've paid a ticket price to be here, and there's there's this yeah. drinking included as part of it. It's it's different in that respect. It's it, it is it is that farmers market for booze, you know, or organic market for booze. Um, mm. It's coming by, you know, and there's no barrier to entry. There's no price to be there as a customer. So you come and you, you know, I, I think our customers treat it with that that level of respect. You know, we don't we don't have people falling down drunk walking out. Um, because they've they've tasted everything they possibly can, they 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 try and they talk to the the producers and and they 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 go away. And probably the most exciting thing for me is to watch people because we we do track this in in sales. What are you coming to the markets for? Are you coming for beer? Are you coming for spirits or wine or cider or whatever? And so we know what people are coming for. But you watch people walking out with a little bit of everything, you know, mm. um, and they're spending money. That's that I think was the question about COVID, wasn't it? It was, um, will people, what's people's disposable income? You know, do they have the money to support the craft industry? Um, I would say our experience suggests, yeah, absolutely they do. You know, they, they, they really do. There's, there's plenty of people still with plenty of money. Don't worry about that. And the right priorities um, when they don't. <laughs> Being our alcohol, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. Um, we've had a little comment come in from Black Rabbit Distillery. How do you feel about receiving unsolicited gin samples in the mail? Um, Herman, Herman, I don't mind. I can answer that. I don't mind. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm quite happy um, for anyone to send me as many unsolicited samples or full bottles as you like. I'll just put that out there. But we'll, uh, we'll 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 give you Todd's uh, Todd and Luke's PO box. But um, look, um, yes, they, they don't need to be unsolicited. I I, I really welcome um, contact from any Australian distillery. Um, mm. The one thing that I will always say about um, what we do and and you know certainly with Gin Lane, I have 12, 12 opportunities a year. You know, and there's as I, I think Mick or Mel said earlier, you know. Um, 800 or, or more gins out there, you, you know, mm. you can kind of do the numbers on um, our opportunity to support the industry now in that respect. Um, I, I think our, our position naturally is is not as strong as it was back then, you know, um, in that I can't help everybody when um, there's plenty of people that I would love to. What I am always happy to do, um, I think the nature of, the, of, of any industry is somebody reaches out, um, they send a product. Um, w one thing I say to everybody who sends me product is um, the odds are not in your favor of me being able to send your product out um, for various reasons. It's the number of slots that I have available, um, but it's also... Uh, I have not been able to send some of the best gins in the country out to our members because they just didn't land at the right time for us. Um, you know, I try and tell a story through the year. Uh, lighter, easier drinking summer gins in summer. 
heavier, spicier, fuller body, wintry jeans through winter and, and kind of tell that story through the year so that people aren't sitting there going, hang on, I, I want to be sitting out on a, you know, by the water with a tall gin and tonic, but it's, you know, mm. 16, 17 degrees outside or it's snowing or it's raining or wherever you are in the country. Um, so, we, you know, there, there's that. And then there's, um, I try not to send the same sort of gins. Um, yeah, I, I, I will come to that bit in a second, um, uh, Black Rabbit, thank you, because it's, it's, it's where I'm certainly leading to. The one thing that I will always be happy to do is it's 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 hard i think for some people to receive a product that they don't feel is quite right for them and go back and tell that distiller or, or a producer that that's the case it's it's a hard message sometimes to send back <clears throat> i'd like to think i'm pretty comfortable with doing that because um having sold products myself um the worst thing is not He's not getting anything back. You know, um, the explanation of why your product wasn't right is is worth far more than, you know, radio silence and, and never hearing back, um, you know, from somebody. So I, I'm not always great at this, but I, I, due to being busy at times, but I do do my best that if somebody sends me something, and if it is specifically with the view towards what do you think of my product, I will give you an honest um, opinion on that. I am not a distiller. So um, the one thing I don't ever tell people I can help them with is how to improve their product. I can tell them why I think it could be improved. You know, um, is your product unbalanced? Is the, there a flavor here that's not quite working? Um, anything like that. I, c I can... I can analyze a product and say why I think it could be better, but I'm not in a position to tell any distiller um, how to improve that. That's, that's, that's what makes distillers distillers and what makes uh, me just a, a, a mouthy drinker, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> um, I, I don't believe that's my place. Uh, and I don't, I don't choose to tell people, um, how to do their job. I can tell them why I think their product may not land with customers in the way that they were maybe hoping um, mm -hmm. based on my experience. But I always, ca I always put that caveat that it's, it's only my experience. And um, as plenty of people have told me over the year when I, over the years when I've been slightly critical of their product uh, and they, they tell me, well, this is our best selling product. I'm like, and don't listen to me. What, what, what do I know? You know, if you're selling your product successfully to a lot of people, it doesn't matter what I think. Um, I can only tell you from my perspective with my particular business. Um, so for whatever that's worth, I'm happy to offer that opinion. But um, that, that, yeah, I, I, I encourage everybody to judge that for what it's worth. Mm. Good advice. Helpful. I mean, look, it's a hard job. Someone's got to do it. I I, I still enjoy it on all kinds of early drinkers. Yeah. Well, I, I would I would think so. Here's my only advice to a distiller: um, if you launched your product because your friends told you it was great, and that's the only people who've told you it was great, uh, take take another look. 
um mm-hmm. i've offered here is one offer i will make and i've offered this to to a lot of distillers and and so few take me up on the offer if you send me samples mini samples of your product to put in the boxes to my customers with a questionnaire um that is designed to get the right feedback on your product for for its commercial appeal I will do that. And I, there are businesses that charge you to do that. I will do that for free. It's a nice little thing to send out to my members. Um, mm. But proper impartial customer feedback, I think is really important. I do think it's why awards are good when they, they give you, um, you know, uh, a, a rating or a grade. I, I know there's a lot of awards and I'm a judge on, on some awards. I know there's a lot of awards where, you, you will only get the rating. Um, but I, I've always said, and I, I think it kind of goes without saying, if you if you enter an award where you just get a rating, you don't get feedback. Bearing in mind these awards, we're judging, um, you know, hundreds of gins between us across uh, mm. a small period of time. Giving lengthy feedback is, is difficult at the best of times. But I've always said to anybody, if you don't hit a medal for any reason, or you didn't hit the medal that you think you should have, you can reach out to me and, and I will give you, I, it's blind when I taste it, but if you want to send it to me, I will give you why I think it was probably judged down, you know, mm-hmm. and I've, I've had this conversation with a number of distilleries um, because I, I can, I, I have a good, I think I have a good understanding of why something may not have hit the mark. Um, mm. And that I'm happy to, to offer if that helps people improve their product. But I would, I would just do the testing. And, yeah. You know, the face to face, people aren't going to tell you to your face that they don't like your product. It just <laughs> does not happen. And your friends and your mum and your dad and your cousin and everyone. Uh, they will always be your biggest supporters, no matter what you do and how shit yeah. it is. That's yeah, why no, all of that's why all my kids' paintings are hanging up on the on the fridge. Hundred percent, and you you upgrade your fridge year on year just to put more up there, because yeah. that's that's less painful than telling you your kid that their artwork sucks and it would yeah. never, you know, it's even Steve, yeah. you know, down the road he does better paintings, but you know, yeah, yeah. we don't we've, give up your day job, kid. Yeah, <laughs> but you know that's. That's our, that's my job, isn't it? Is to be our friends and family's biggest supporters, and mm-hmm. um, you know, I, I. But there's a commercial aspect to this. Yeah. This that I think um, it's important to get a, a an unbiased view, um, and seek that out. Seek mm. it out. And your your offer there to to include a sample with a questionnaire into a box to all your subscribers. That's a that's a huge offer. Um, that's, I would like to think so. It comes at a cost. It comes at a cost to the distiller. I recognize that. You know, of course, I recognize yeah. that. But the feedback from the there samples. would be broad and um, hope. Uh, I mean, you're, you're going out to people who love gin. Mm. People who don't love gin are not going to get a gin subscription. Um, so Our membership is not the biggest, and but it is full of um, dedicated. Australian gin drinkers mm. um, and you know I, I think I think that carries some you know weight in terms of the what they can offer to a distiller for sure mm. um, 
but the blind aspect is is just so critical you know mm. if you have never blind tasted your product um then i worry that you 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 may not be getting um accurate um mm. feedback on on your product yeah yeah you use the scientific method people test retest sure. blind test don't make assumptions for sure. For sure. Yep. Be prepared to change your assumptions. <laughs> <laughs> um, we, I, I bet I, I thought about it, and I'm going to have to just uh, wedge in a uh, little spot for our sponsors because otherwise I'll completely forget. Um, so I'm just going to flash this up. Um, regular. Watchers, listeners will have heard us talk about how half of our sponsors uh, don't want to hear from you. Um, uh, Burns Welding and Fabrication, of course, Burnsy, uh, massively popular steel builder, high demand, awesome product. Um, they say, don't call us, we'll call you. Look, just call them anyway. The worst <laughs> they can do is say, yeah, it'll be a three-year wait. But, I mean, look. Something like you, that. You, you, know, yeah, you never know. Yeah, I mean that that's that's not that far away, no. really. Give you give you time, time to get your um, licenses in place. Ah, yeah, actually learn how to distill. Yeah, um, that's a, that'd be a good thing to do before you get a massive still. Yeah. Uh, we've got Wyan Oak Cooperage, uh, Andrew Young, um, brilliant barrel maker, lovely bloke, awesome team, brilliant product. Crafty's got heaps of them in his uh, his barrel store. You've, did you? It was a wine. Was it a wine barrel that you did use with a uh, bumblebee? Uh, no. Oh, fuck. That would have been a great tie-in. Jesus shit, let me down there. Um, what I will say is, and Andrew is as passionate about um, barrels and and wood as anybody is about the spirit that they put into him. He's he he has a real passion for it. It's amazing. Oh, absolutely. And to that, to that matter as well, to that matter, Transwood, uh, Master Coopers as well, between them, the what these guys don't know about wood isn't worth knowing. Some good wood knowledge. Uh, barrel Brokers, Robbie, he knows the good wood as well. Uh, if you're looking for a barrel, any kind of barrel, he'll find the specialty barrel of your dreams. And then you've got to figure out what to do with it. Um, we've got uh, Saber Glass. Sorry, Todd? Put some great spirit in it and age it. Yeah. That, well, you've, yes. Timing is everything, though. You've got to use it straight away, don't you? Very much so. Be quick. Be decisive. Don't faff about. No. Uh, Saber Glass. Bottles, glass, all things glass. Um, I don't have a story about Saberglass yet. I'm going to have to really work on that. It's a pretty shitty plug, isn't it? Same with CCL. I mean, they do labels and shit, um, stuff, and you know, printing visual things. Actually, that's one something I want to come back. I'm happy to, to help you out on that score if you like. Please do, please do. You know, um, shelf appeal is everything. I've. I've... Mm -hmm had the pleasure of judging some design awards um, when it comes to gin as well. And 
Uh, we actually did that over at CCL. Um, their labels are uh, amazing and save glasses bottles are fantastic. So, you know, the package that you can have the best product in the world, but um, if it's not in the right packaging, it can be hard. Mm. The fortunate thing about our business is we're sending our bottles to our members, you know, in a, in a different sense. It's not there on a shelf. It, it's not, yeah. that's not required. So I can send out products that maybe don't have the shelf appeal if I think the product's good enough and it still gets mm. into our members' hands. But that's not 99.9% of retail, is it? It's, it's got to, it's got mm. to have the shelf appeal, and and um, yeah, those those two companies are right. uh, two, two of the best in the biz. So really, a shelf full of um, bottles. Which one do you get? The bright shiny one. <laughs> the one that's not broken. The one that's not yeah. broken or full of flowers, apparently. Uh yeah, I did buy a bottle just because I had flowers on it. I will show that in a moment. Um, and of course, water. Wild Wogan Natural Spring Water. Um, they have water. And if you need water, get it from uh, Wild Wogan. Uh, that is where uh, Craftworks get all their water from. Yeah. yeah. So can't be it. That's a good job. Uh, I think that's all of them for now. So, yeah. Talking about labels and stuff. Oh, shit, now I've turned the light off. So <clears throat> I was at uncle dan's and um i was looking at the shelves of bottles yeah the shelves of bottles going i i i'm here to buy something i'm not sure what i want to buy i'm just going to see what grabs me mm-hmm. and what ended up grabbing me was a bottle yeah. so can you tell just by that who that is Yes, the name is not coming to me right this second, but I, I absolutely know the bottle. Yeah. 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 Uh, yeah. So it's Tread Softly in Victoria. Yeah. Jesus. Yeah. I've got to fix that blowout of color because yeah. no one can no one can see shit. There you go. Right. Just zoom in if you have that ability on the bottle. That bit mm. there. Um, I just thought that was lovely, simple, nice bottle design you know in a nice sort of um uh sort of kitschy bottle old-timey style bottle with a uh actual have an actual cork no it's a it's a rubber cork i thought that was that grabbed me enough to pick it up off the shelf and buy it because it was something a little different Mm -hmm. um at the same time i i i've got no qualms in saying it i looked at on the shelf hemp gin on the shelf Mm. and i went no i'm gonna buy that pretty bottle that because i had a a um an impression in my mind and a a stigma over the hemp which i tell you why i fucking love that gin it's a great gin Mm -hmm. And I went for the bottle instead. Mm-hmm. Arguably, I think I like the the one that I didn't go for better. So I don't quite know what I'm trying to, what point I'm trying to get across. But the bottle makes certainly makes a difference. And I wouldn't have bought that gin if I hadn't have seen 
that bottle sitting on the shelf. It was actually turned around a row of them just with the flowers. You couldn't even see the label. But I bought that purely based on the label when I could have bought that had I have known what the flavour was going to be. If, if this helps anybody, um, there are design awards, there are bottle design awards. Um, if you're a distiller looking to determine what needs to be on um, your bottle, um, typically I, I, I think most design awards will post some of their criteria. Um, mm -hmm. I can tell you who came top in the latest gin design awards that I was a part of, and that was Prohibition from South Australia. Anybody who knows Prohibition's um, brand and bottles will probably never be surprised by that. The, the thing I would say is when I looked at the lineup when we immediately began judging, I looked at a couple of bottles and I was like, well, that's a shoe-in. And this is what I love from a, from a judging perspective. Um, and to set your mind at ease, I didn't prejudge anything except to go, well, my immediate impression is I like that. But then we have criteria that we follow through and we, we go down each of those criteria and judge the bottle against each of those. And a bottle that I looked at and I was like, well, that's a shoe in, gets knocked out in the first round. Why? Because it didn't have um, any story. It didn't have the legals fully done and they went blended into the design of the bottle and the botanicals weren't listed. Yeah. So um, if you can pull, pull up a picture of their Navy, that's, that's the specific bottle that, that won. Um, and then you, you know, there's, there's things around um, and, and I, I would expect anybody who's come into contact with either um, bottle shops or buyers from a sales perspective, i.e. they don't exclusively sell through, say, their cellar door and online. Um, buyers and what they want will be very different from bottle shops. Um, yeah. A buyer typically, um, and any people who work in hospital here can, again, shoot me down on this one, but the, the feedback that I hear often is screw tops versus cork. Um you don't want to take up too much space on the shelf. <laughs> Maybe one area where prohibition um, kind of breaks the mold a little bit because that's a very wide bottle, uh, so it takes up a lot of shelf space. And yet that that bottle there that um, that that wins um, mm. pretty strongly. The second and third place were great um, were great entrances there, but um, yeah, that that prohibition one it's got the story it's got the the label behind it even mm. down to some of the subtleties of the coloring on the the label the blue and the white that's their navy mm. strength bottle if you were to put prohibition's whole lineup together on a shelf you'd look at that and if somebody said to you pick you know you're 20 feet away pick the one that's going to be the navy strength mm. you go of course it's blue and white blue you know white, it's, yeah, it's, yeah. it's a no-brainer you don't ever have to see the detail of that bottle and, mm. and it's these kind of subtleties that, yeah, you know, uh, so, uh, I, I have no experience on judging, say, um, whiskey design awards, but certainly from a gin perspective. Um, if I'm you're sure it'll be very similar. You know, you kind of want mm. some pointers. Pick up one of Prohibition's bottles, particularly that Navy strength, and look at it in detail and um, kind of look at, look at the, the, the little things that, 
you know, when you're judging awards, it's the points. And mm. you go through the categories and you assign points. And at the end of it, you go, oh, wow, that total is not what I was expecting. But you followed criteria that are set by the awards. And so if you like, the answer is right. You know, mm. you, you it's not it's not a subjective thing. It's this criteria that you're judging. Mm. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Speaking yeah. subjectively, um, yeah. I was down in Tassie. Mm-hmm. And uh, I went to the uh, Salamanca markets. And of course, mm-hmm. almost every Tassie distiller has a representation at the Salamanca markets. This one, Taylor, uh, Taylor and Smith Gin and Whiskey, yep. they stood out to me over everybody else in terms yeah, cool. of bottle and just shelf appeal. Seeing all of these lined up in a row on their table was just, it looked so amazing and so impressive. Now, that's going to cost them an absolute fucking fortune to do. Mm-hmm. So you're going to have your your, uh, your cost of sale of those is is, uh, is going to go up. But God, it looks good. But that's maybe that's my subjective opinion, though. Um, are you familiar with Moore's Gin? From Moore's Gin? Phil at Distillery Botanica. No. Give me, give me a second. In the meantime, I'm having five nines whiskey. Uh, I have moved on to my. my Yeah. Are you for now? My little, uh, my little treat here. What's that one, Todd? It's Ferno. It's a. I think they're a fairly new distillery down in. um, Flinders Island. Okay. Mm. Cool. Yeah, Flinders Island. A young couple. Crafty certainly singing their praises. Yeah. Crafty is. Yep. He's a big fan. Absolutely. I guess he knows. He knows something. He knows a couple of people in the industry. He's not. He's not here. So I think we can confidently say. Well, like, we can bag him out, right? Like, he's not here yeah. to defend himself. So. Have, you, have you seen the show? We bag him out every fucking episode. Mm, mm. Speaking, speaking I did like... Just, uh, just, just... I did like the new glasses. I was... Uh, I, I, I shed a, a tear of laughter or a ten over that. Uh, just fantastic. It's... Uh, yeah. Yeah. He, he looks like he's going paintballing in those things. It's uh, <laughs> really quite phenomenal. <laughs> so, Ali, Ali has finally joined us, and she says, "Hey, Lindsay, the legend himself." Uh, oh, we, ouch! We briefly touched on on cocktails, and mm. I said that we would get your list of favorite cocktails. Um, but yeah, what is your favorite gin cocktail? Uh, it, 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 always a martini always a martini um because i love my gin and i love it neat so um i like a dry martini i like some variations i like the vespa um depending on the gin um those sorts of things but uh you know there is no better hero cocktail for a, a great dry gin you know i think and and some variations of classic gins you know um are you going to put a, a nice light summer gin in a, in a martini no um definitely not but 
Um, like I said, Nort, um, Carew, while we're talking about it, by the way, um, you know, not to not to blow anything up. Um, Nick and Ali's uh, proverbial because um, Ali's on, but you know, we we were fortunate to be introduced to Carew um, before Carew was Carew, I think, uh, just about. Um, you know, Reg Reg had put me in touch with um, with Nick and Ali. Um, I met them for the first time at a, another institution. It's a shame it's not around anymore, but Tonic Lane um, in uh, around Neutral Bay in in um, Sydney. And you know, anybody who's met Nick, um, you need a chiropractor afterwards, obviously, because you spend your whole time uh, looking up at him. Um, but and you're you know, not sure. I'm not sure, but um, I am when I'm standing next to Nick. I'm not entirely sure how Ali does it, to be honest. I assume she keeps a stepladder around the place just to try and look him in the eye occasionally. But, um, you know, they are two of the hardest working people in the industry. So um, success that comes their way is is well-deserved. But the product they produce is fantastic as well. So, you know, um, we were fortunate to, 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 do, um, to do a crew gin really early on in their story. Um, and, you know, as I said, they've, they've, they've come out with some crackers since. So, you know, um, both affinity and, you know, yeah, if you want to step it up, Lightning is a, an absolutely insanely good Navy strength. Yeah. Um, and now I would be more inclined to be using... Um, lightning in um, in a I, I would feel comfortable should I say using it in something like a Negroni where you know the, the, the flavors of, Neg- of a Negroni can easily dominate a gin but something like lightning will stand up in some of those those classic cocktails and then if if it wasn't so damn good for sipping this this would be a, a, a cracking gin in, in an old-fashioned for me Honestly, again, my tastes are simple. The cocktails that I like are the simple ones, but I also think it's what stands great. Uh, mixologists or buyers apart from others is there's a reason that the classics don't have a ton of ingredients. You know, um, Negronis, um, old fashions. Um, you know, those variations on on cocktails. They they typically have the three things. It's the booze. It's something sweet. It's something bitter or savory, and you know, the the quality is in both the booze and blending these very simple things into mm. something that actually works. Um, so I, I've got a friend that I I um, anywhere I go in the country, if I, if we're together traveling, um, and we want to go to a new bar, the first thing we ask for is an old fashioned. And that determines whether we think they're a great bar or not. <laughs> I have no right to be judging people on their cocktail making. I'm not a great cocktail maker myself at all. Um, but it's just what questions you get asked. You know, does the, the, the person at the bar ask you, well, first of all, what booze do you want? Because you're never going to get asked that in a pub, are you? You ask for an old fashioned, they're just going to make some shit up for you most of the time. Um, but do they ask you what, what spirit you want? Then do they ask you whether you want it on the sweeter side or the 
drier or bitter side, um, you know, those kinds of things. And a couple of questions, a, a, a story that I've told a few people, uh, we did uh, land in Melbourne at the same time one, one weekend and um, we ate dinner at South, uh, the, the Tasmanian restaurant on, on the South Bank. I don't know whether that's still around anymore. It's been two years since I've been able to be down in Melbourne, but uh, we ate dinner there. We had quite a lot of wine um, and we staggered back across the river on one bridge or another. Um, to this day, neither of us actually really knows. And we landed in this bar where we had to go downstairs. Again, none of this is narrowing things down for you. Uh, we went to a downstairs bar in Melbourne and we asked for old fashions. The person that we asked in this bar was like, are you serious about your old fashioned? And we're like, yep. They said, if you're willing to wait, that um, person there makes the best old fashioned. They're, they're our specialist on that. My points were just going higher and higher and higher yeah. for this bar by, by the second. Um, and that was it. The whole night we just drank old fashioned because they were hands down the best old fashioned I've had in this country. Mm. And uh, it explains a lot of why I have no fucking clue what bar it was. <laughs> Um, we have been back to Melbourne since we've eaten dinner at the same restaurant, gotten ourselves pissed and done our best to stagger in a similar fashion back across the river and see if we somehow magically land up in the same bar. Can't, can't find the bar. So if anybody's listening, who's got any suggestions, um, I, I would love to yeah. hear them, but yeah, it's it's kind of um, great cocktails are the, the product themselves and then the people who are mixing it, right? Mm. So my question is, did the bar and the old-fashioned actually exist or were you just dreaming? It, this is we'll a true story, 100%. <laughs> I, I have not embellished any aspects of it. I have not exaggerated any aspects of it. This was like... I think we've all had one of those experiences, though. This this was so. if Disney were to make um, bar crawl movies, the, the, this uh -huh. was that movie. Yeah. Yeah, yeah right. Yeah. Or, there was, there was some sort of... Yeah, there was, there, was some, there was some moment where somebody was on a magic carpet and, you yeah. know, I will yeah. show you the world was playing behind it. It was... Uh, <laughs> It was dreamy. Yeah. The stars aligned, the birds were singing, and it just magic happened that night. 100%. 100%. Yep. Full moon, stars out. Yeah. It was magical. Nice. Well, we've, <laughs> we've hit the hour 45 mark, so we might wrap it up there. Uh, let's get the banners up. So we've got downginlane.com.au. Get on there, get a subscription. Um, I'm sure your address and everything is on there in order for people to send their samples that they want to get feedback on. Pop uh, me an email. I'll, I'll give you an email, address. Email, phone call, all the rest. Yep. yep. Uh, then there's the craftboozemarket.com.au. Uh, uh, oh, God, I could go some gin chocolate right now. Um, yeah, good. Oh, thanks for that. Would you like to um, have the gin? Of course. No more. Of course. Ali Quality ingredient. Mm. Yeah, just 
let's just sit here watching you eat chocolate for a little while. Our viewership It'll will go all up. around my mouth, and yeah. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to need it. a private moment with it. So yeah. <laughs> you meant to eat it, not wear it. <laughs> uh, so the craftboozmarket.com.au uh, to find out when it's on, where it's on, because uh, now you've got a few different places, haven't you? You're in Marrickville and out west somewhere. Yep. So we had Richmond this month. Um, Richmond will most likely not be monthly. We'll dot them around, but it'll probably be maybe quarterly out in Richmond. Mm -hmm. um, and we're looking at a couple, a couple of other locations as well. Um, so, yeah, I, I would like to see markets around the country in, in mm -hmm. the distant future. Awesome. Well, I guess what we need is uh, distillers from around the country to hit you up so you can uh, band them together. And, mm. and breweries and wineries, so... Yeah. Anyone and gin, uh, alcohol related food mm -hmm. stuff. Yeah. Yep. Mm. Yep. Nice. Uh, so jump on the website. Uh, all the social links are there. Follow them. Uh, Lindsay, thank you so much. It's been great. This has been uh, fun. We've had these sort of conversations before, but um, it's always a pleasure. And um, nice to do it from the comfort of my own home, I must admit. You know? Yeah, whilst <laughs> eating chocolate and. Mm -hmm. drinking and enjoying yourself yeah 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 uh, you, it's you've all done, better for not having craft you've got a little something well. just there yeah, yeah. No, no, not the other side now the other side and no, the other yeah. side yeah yeah thanks yeah no, <laughs> just wipe that off uh, -huh, uh, -huh. <laughs> uh yeah, thank you great. everyone for joining us um i mentioned on facebook we've lost two months worth of content on facebook's because facebook fucked us uh please go to the website or to youtube and see all of our back episodes there. Um, the website certainly has everything, plus the links to all of the different places that you can watch and listen, YouTube, iTunes, Spotify, Amazon, and other places as well, uh, or directly on the website. Go nuts. Um, and there you go. Hi, Chris. Um so, yeah, thank you all very much. Please like, subscribe, follow, and we will catch us all on the flip side. Give us a good review. Oh, yeah, give us a review. That would be wicked. Yeah. That would be wicked. And we do actually get some nice comments come through on Messenger, which is lovely. We've had a few people who have listened to us whilst doing cross-country drives, and I personally could not think of anything worse. But, um, yeah, great. Mm. Yeah, quick, quick way to put people to sleep on a cross-country drive. Jeez. Oh, <laughs> gosh, yes. Listening to my voice for hours and hours. And yeah. my wife doesn't even do that. If, if I'd been driving and that picture of Crafty and those glasses popped up, like you'd be reading about me on the news the next morning. <laughs> Unbelievable. Ah, <laughs> oh, fuck. Where have I been? I've lost it now. Oh, shit. Oh, no. Come oh, no. It's gone. No, it has. It's gone. I've lost oh, it. No. Oh, my God. I'm going to have to find it. All right. That's my mission. All right. There it is. Oh, my God. There it is. And on that note. Yeah. Good luck getting sleep dreams, tonight, everyone. everybody. Sweet dreams. <laughs>